You're listening to You Would Think, the Philadelphia Flyers podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Collington, and joining me from an unusual locale this time, uh, Kevin Durso. How are you, buddy? I'm doing well. Good. If, uh, if you're watching on our YouTube channel, uh, Kevin is not in his usual studio. Um, we're going we're gonna to dive into where he's at, what he's doing, all that. Uh, before we do that, follow us on social media. We're at YWT Podcast. Kevin is at Kevin underscore Darso. Uh, find us everywhere you find your podcast, including sportstalkphilly.com. Okay. So, uh, Kevin, it's pretty obvious um, if you're listening to the show here. Uh, we are recording this on Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. What was Saturday night? The stadium series. Oh, okay. Is that where you are? Yeah. So I'm pulling a roadie, as you as you mentioned before we started. So um, I am quite literally at this given moment, though I can't see it from my hotel room. I am quite literally across the street from MetLife Stadium, where as we speak, there are preparations being made for another game. Because yep. the Rangers and Islanders are playing there on Sunday afternoon. So there are uh, there is another game. But obviously, I was here for the Saturday night portion of this weekend's stadium series. So, um, yeah, and I'm like a couple hours away from getting out of here and headed back to well the the usual area that I'm from on most occasions. So, do you want to talk a little a little bit about the kind of the media experience? Like, you were there Friday for practice. Um, we know you were in sure. the booth for that. Being in the booth, like a football, how does a football booth compare to a hockey booth, for example? Like, come on, give us yeah. give us the insider. Like, come on, sure, sure, sure. No, I know. I, I knew this was going to come <laughs> we'll, to start. We'll with. get in. We'll get into the game, but like, you got to do I a know. really cool thing this weekend. Let's oh, yeah, talk yeah, about yeah. it. Well, so I like I think things like this, it doesn't really formally, I guess it like doesn't really formally set in what you're going to do until at least for me, because I don't go on the road like typically, you know, right. it's it's not something that that I you're, would typically you're not traveling do. with the team. Right. Right. So so I when I left on Friday, really Friday afternoon, I was going to leave a little earlier. Honestly, they, they were supposed to practice at two. They pushed the practice back by an hour. I was actually, I'm not even kidding when I say this, I was in the car ready to leave when I saw the email. So Perfect. that updated the time. So I actually just went back in, I went back into the house and just hung around for an extra hour because I was going to be super early if that was the case. That's really um, it doesn't really hit you that everything is here until like for me, I'm driving up. I, I'm kind of. You know, once once New York City came into sight line and then really once MetLife Stadium comes into sight, oh, yeah. you're like, all right, this is setting in that this is what's going on this weekend kind of thing. This practice is where was, I get to go to work on Saturday. Right. I mean, and practice was fun. I mean, I they it seemed like they got they had their practice cut short because of the time difference mm. that they that they pushed back because it was supposed to be done. At, it was. Well, this is going to be strange to even start with. The Islanders practiced on Thursday. Yeah, weird. And are not pl- didn't weren't going to play until Sunday. So that was already a weird thing. But the other three teams were practicing on Friday with two hour like gaps in between. So the Flyers were going to go at two. The Rangers went at four, and the Devils went at six. I think um, I I had heard anyway that the Flyers were originally going to practice at eight at night mm-hmm. and that, that that got pushed back from John Tortorella that they didn't want to go that late. So mm-hmm. okay. they they bumped them up. Instead, they went ahead and then there was sun glare issues. And that's what pushed back the, the practice. They basically got out there and, and I'm not even kidding when I tell you this. They probably practiced for maybe 20 minutes yeah they got to the family time real quick because that's right because they the whole session was correct and they made sure that and tortorella kind of talked regularly about 
Friday was going to be all about the families that, yeah, they took a practice. They got a feel for the ice, but the rest of the day was going to be family time and, and understood. It's a big deal. A lot of people had family coming in, things like that. So yes, absolutely. Um, the experience of watching everything from a football press box. Now I've done one of these before in a football stadium, right? So I do have a little bit of a sense of how it goes. I think that what ends up happening, because first of all, a football press box is vastly different from the just the typical of a hockey arena. A ring of it's, desks around the top of an arena. Well, f- sure. But like what I'm thinking of is that like it's built for so many more people. And yes. and while this is and while this is a national scale event, don't get me wrong. You're talking about literally four rows of seating i mean sure how many that, like, you know football that take that's incredible about, how enormous football right. is compared well that, to that that takes up about the end zone of one side of the field oh yeah to to about midfield i mean it's not the whole it's not the width like 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 the press box at wells fargo center literally runs the length of the ice right. there's two sides to it the broadcast booths are in the middle this is a little different but still it's you know, and, and you're talking about and you're talking about like like even at Wells Fargo Center, it's two rows. There is a back row mm, to the press right. box, usually reserved more for like scouts and team personnel and things like that. But it's it is what it is kind of thing. You know what I mean? And if nothing else, the trickiest part of covering one of these games is just like the fans. You're kind of a mile away. Yep. So you're really struggling to see some things. Um, And because you're also sitting indoors legitimately as nice as it is to not be in the cold that was um you can't hear anything like you don't really get the banter of it now they did they did have the game broadcast playing in the press box so you could hear it but but but, obviously time delay is a thing on that too yeah so So it's delayed you're trying to catch everything i mean like like obviously you can tell when a team scores because maybe more or less you can tell by the reaction more than the reaction on the ice yeah i mean i mean there were there were a handful of times where i could see actually physically see the puck go in despite the fact that we're sitting so far away but But it's 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 a unique experience. And I mean, I think a greater part of the experience also is like once you go down there and the players talk about this, too, when you're in they're in a football locker room. Yeah. You know what I mean? So the locker rooms are massive in a football stadium. So and the fly like the Flyers had the Jets locker room for Mm. both the practice and the game. Um, So we that's where we were for a couple of things with that. And it's gigantic. I mean, for as many people that show up to cover these types of things, it still doesn't amount to near as much as i'm sure is in there on a typical sunday oh i'm sure oh i'm sure it's crazy just how small time the nhl really is in the grand scheme right. of things but uh so, no but you were mentioning um like being able to see things and kind of the visual uh perspective of being in the booth how uh how were the helmets because obviously so we saw the stadium series jerseys uh mm-hmm. last week or a couple of weeks ago and we kind of had an idea of what they were going to look like we figured maybe what the socks would look like the helmets were a bit of a surprise um, how did, how did they look? Cause on TV, I thought they yeah. looked really, really, really clean. Well, th- that was probably the best look at them. I mean, I didn't okay. have a detail. I didn't have a detailed look at all. Now, I mean, if you want, if you want my opinion of what they looked like, cause yeah, like I saw people, I saw players filing in after practice on Friday and they're obviously still, they still have the gear on. So they did look pretty cool 
up close, but I okay. didn't really, you know, from from my vantage point during a game, I had no van like it, it real vantage point. I mean, for you. Okay. I, I mean, here's the thing too. I, as I'm watching warmups, I thought that I was going to have an easier time telling the Devils' numbers than the Flyers' numbers at first on the backs, just because I thought that the black against the red really kind of worked. And then during the game, it it was the opposite. Turned I actually saw the Flyers' muddy. numbers better. Yeah, you know, so it and and it's different. Like like. I'm like, I'm not typically and and like, listen, I don't know when the next time they even play in a game like this. So it's not something that you use on on a daily basis. Sure. But but like this is the type of game where, from my perspective, I'd probably invest in a pair of binoculars. Oh, you know, typically like I like I had kind of had that thought once I got there. But like, it's not something you think about on a regular basis. Like, it's not something that I need every day for my job. You know what I mean? Right. Of course. So. So it just is what it is. Like even, even, you know, I, I know that there are other writers that will pull them out during practice, even because we don't have numbers on the backs of the jerseys at practice. It's just the helmet numbers, which are definitely smaller. Right. But even, even those, like I can kind of wait for them to come down to the end where the window is in at, at the training facility and still catch a number and right. not need them. You know, it's, but in this type of setting, it's totally different. I mean, yeah. I mean, the rest the rest of the experience is great. Uh, it definitely was a unique experience to be staying in the general area of the stadium okay. as opposed to because even when it was in Philly, I just I just stayed. Uh, I was still, at home. Of course. Well, yeah, I was still. Yeah, yeah. I was just at home. So I just kind of bounced around a little bit, you know, and made it. It was kind of easy to navigate this. Right. This you needed to be up in the area in some capacity. Um, I'm glad I'm glad I was. You didn't want to deal with New York traffic four times in in two days. (laughs) Um, I don't know if I would have hit that much, honestly, trying to leave the general area if I left on Friday, because I I, I would have been past rush hour by that point. Oh, I mean, I mean, let me let me let let me put into perspective for you also, because like, you know, this was just to give you an idea of what time kind of everything happened or whatever. So I showed up for the practice and picked up my credential at roughly 245 they were getting on the ice at three i had finally gotten it because i did hit a little bit of friday traffic on that one um i didn't leave the stadium until probably about eight o'clock okay because i i hung around after media was done like we were downstairs probably for about an hour just dealing with you know flyers coming off the ice that kind of thing so i didn't leave the stadium until almost eight that night to even go back and check into the hotel and then have like a quiet night at that point the next day. Now I didn't have to head over to the stadium on Saturday until about five o'clock was when I was, when the media entrance opened, I pretty much got there at about quarter of five to go in. So I was roughly, roughly that time frame. Um, I did not leave and get back to my hotel room after the game was over until about one 15 in the morning. Ooh, man. Just because, just because from it was the game ended at about 11 15. We were still downstairs. I, I finally published the game recap at about midnight, stuck around for a little bit, did a, did a quick hitter video type thing, all that type of stuff. And then, to be honest, like once I was done with all of that, you even like after you kind of get packed up, you're kind of, especially since I'm not doing the Sunday portion, you're kind of taking a moment just to soak it in for a second one more time before you sure. head out for good. Absolutely. So I did I did hang around and then and then I I didn't drive over to the stadium. I took a shuttle from the hotel. So I was oh, waiting okay. for that too. So like that's why it took another like half hour from when I left to kind of like mm-hmm. okay find the shuttle sit kind of sit there and wait as they let other people come out and get on and then and then get transported back to the hotel kind of thing. Right. Well and I think that brings us to the game itself. So yeah. unfortunately the Flyers did not win that game, 
Yeah. Uh, yes. Final score ended up as what? Six, three, six, yeah. to six, three, yes. six to three. The devils win. Um, you know what? It is it a neat, fun, you know, stadium series venture. Yes. It is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I think it's good for the players. I think it's good for the families. I think it's good for the game, the broadcast, all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, you're in a playoff race. The two points would have been, yeah. would have been really helpful. Um, Nico Heischer comes out and scores what 30 30 seconds, seconds into the in. game. Yep. It's, it's you, you can't start that slow against this Devils team. It's not that they started slow, honestly, because there's people who are sitting. I saw some comments like even about how they you can't be that unprepared or whatever. I don't think they were unprepared in any way. It was they oh, came right. out, they got they came out and they got overly aggressive from the right. jump. And I even tweeted out right before the game started right after warm-ups i'm curious how this is going to start because usually these outdoor games are a feeling out process in the opening 20 trying to get get a feel for the ice conditions in a game setting practice seemed great and i will tell you the weather conditions for this one unlike in philly a few years back these were ideal i mean i was, was gonna colder. say the weather the weather really cooperated it was cold and clear and you was, couldn't have asked for anything better honestly cold but um, not too cold where you're getting like the weird skate stick stuff like you've had in some um, of the games i but, i can't i can't tell you if that was the case from okay. like a like the player's perspective it didn't it, seem so the only issue with with the temperature in in that type of setting is that as snow builds up on the ice, it's not going anywhere. Right. And if you're getting these extended stretches of play where they aren't doing an ice like an ice scrape uh, in the middle of this thing, then you're going to have trouble moving the puck as effectively as you want to right. because it's just not going to go. You know, right. there's just too much snow build up. And so really right off the jump, though, I, like I was curious. I'm like, especially because there's two there's kind of two it was two scenarios because obviously it could just be look they could have just come out full bore like they did obviously but but like i'm like is it more of a feeling out process or are we going to see two teams that well and the flyers especially they have to play aggressive and then i look at and i and my immediate thought was i'm like if the flyers try to play that way we know they want to take advantage of the rush but new jersey is equally as good a team off the rush so We're going to see whether or not this is a settle in first period, or is this going to be fire wagon because of all the, the, the way that these two teams play. And um, you got caught in a situation 32 seconds in where let's face it. It looked like they might as well have been attacking the other way because the two defensemen were in deepest yep. and the three forwards were back and Travis Konechny probably just trying to play his position goes and breaks from the blue line because he's a forward. And right. there's no defense back. So Some... Nico Heischer sneaks behind everybody and just goes. And and turns out he's pretty good when you leave well, yeah. and, like and that's that, like... well and and first of all, wait, you know, I you know, as much as you look for a save from Sam Harrison on those situations because it is one on one, so at of least course. you know so you you know you could get a save there. What a way to like start the game. You're not even settled in. It's gonna be the first shot of the game. No, yeah, he he definitely he definitely gives everybody a, a... A tap on the shins after that like hey thanks boys thanks for thanks sure. for letting me ease into this one well th- here's the thing too right so the parallels here to a to a pre we've talked about this game plenty of times so you're gonna know where i'm going with it but so 32 seconds in is is the same timing as when claude Giroux scored against pittsburgh in that mm. playoff game mm. right okay do you remember how that but do you remember how that game started sure 
Of course. With a big hit, right? Absolutely. Travis Konechny decked a player 10 seconds into the game. Almost the same exact way, same exact spot. And the only difference was the team scoring 32 wins. The, the other way. Right. right. And because you were trying, so you were trying to come out and, and announce your presence right off the bat, and it backfired immediately. And I'm not going to lie, like from where I'm, my, from my vantage point, because of the fact that it's 32 seconds into the game and it's, and it's technically a devil's home game, right. you know, for that matter, too. I mean, the crowd was pretty 50-50, but I will still say, you know, they, they obviously went way all out for the Devils in this case, like with, with the production and all that stuff like that. that. As much as this is a team that fights back, and we're going to talk about that later um, with the other games of the week as well, as much as this is a resilient team, it felt like a loss as soon as that happened. Just because yeah. it's like that is it, it's a tone setter. And absolutely. And you kind of knew what kind of game you were in for. And it didn't I'm not going to sit here and act like that dictated the way the rest of the game went to the point sure. where it's like, oh, they weren't competitive in this game. It's not that at all. It was just that was such a bad omen for the whole rest of the game that like we're not even a minute in and you get scored on. Like, right. And, and we've watched this team scrap and claw back all year. They've erased deficits. They've made comebacks. They've scraped points by in games that they shouldn't have yes but man 30 seconds in with a moment as big as it is right like you say it's a devil's home game there's four times more people there than usual right you're, play, you're playing outdoors you got to wear the rocky sweaters coming into the stadium like you yeah got to, you got to have a big day about it right we did a special practice yesterday like mm -hmm. this is not a normal game like as right. much as the, as much as the players will tell you in media well, we're just, you know, it's just 60 minutes of hockey, you know, just got to play a normal game. Mm -hmm. just, it's just two points, the, blah, blah, blah. It's not a normal game. No. The one guy I believe that from more than anybody is John Tortorella. Oh, absolutely. He, well, of he, course. Really, he can do without all of this. He's a psychopath. He doesn't care where you're playing. He just. <laughs> right. Yeah. But he's he, he's the one guy who I can sit there and, and consistently. I just want to get to the game. I just want to get to the game. He would and, be just as passionate coaching nine year olds in Nanaimo, like 100%. <laughs> Well, and this is and this is the thing too, because as the game progresses, like that first goal is really what does you in, because you can even be trailing one nothing out of that first period if you give up the second the second goal as the first one. The way that the second goal, especially right. when you're like especially when you're like 13 minutes in, it's like okay, there there was a time to feel it out, even if it was 10 minutes. Let's kind now, of now you're just down a goal, no big right. Deal. Now you're just down a goal, right. and you kind of know what to do. Like like I looked at the way that they played out of that first period, and just wasn't overly impressed it was like you know it was like the opening goal shell shocked them a little bit and now they had to regroup and i felt like you knew because like my point was after the first period was all john tortorella talked about especially but the, the players mentioned it too was this is an important two points on the line yes so being down two nothing no matter what the circumstances are is not going to sit well in the room so i kind of imagine tortorella was probably giving it to him a little bit after the first period and a second period was for most of for 75% of that period was pretty much domination by the flyers. They, I mean, they, they said, they said an outdoor game record. They had 27 shots on goal in the second period. Whew. Is that like good? they, yeah, well, they, they came out just as a, as, as a shooting gallery. They had nine shots in the first period. They come out in the second and just start firing away. Yep. And the timing of their first goal by Owen Tippett was great. You know, you're not even halfway through. You get it back to 2-1. You're pushing. It's looking really good. And right after it, too, they got a power play. And it's like 
this is really this is shaping up to be right. like it's shaping up. And the biggest this was one of the major turning points of the game is Travis Konechny took a retaliate retaliation penalty. Yep. Getting frustrated and and taking it out on somebody who was kind of giving it to him, you know, because Brendan Smith was kind of under his skin all night. And sometimes you're Travis Konechny. Sometimes you're Evgeny Malkin. Well, and and here's the thing. I know John Tortorella after the game was not going to bury him with like, that's how he plays. It's, you know, that's the give and take of his game. Right. Konechny's got to be smart. And I think he admit, he kind of admitted that after the game, he knows it. But like at the same time, that was a turning point because that started things off. You had that penalty. They took another penalty in the period. And not long after that penalty was when this barrage of scoring started. And yep. unfortunate and unfortunately for the Flyers, and th- this is where this is where I start putting more of the blame on Arison a little bit. Like I'm not trying to blame him for the whole result, but I didn't care about him giving up a breakaway goal where Nico Heischer, a skilled player, an all-star, right. a number one overall pick, puts it well, puts a move on you and goes five hole, especially 30 seconds into the game. You're kind of like you didn't have time to get your and feet I think, wet. Even I think that's the first shot he saw. Also, right? Like I don't. Yeah, exactly. It's hard to give Sam so, too much. Right. So I'm not faulting him on that one, and I'm not really faulting him on the first rebound because, again, it looked like a purposeful shot that goes off the pad, comes out. No, they they, they didn't cover properly. The old pass-off you know, pads. But it, but if, if Morgan Frost is covering that play properly, not to put a specific on it, they all got out of sorts, but that's Morgan Frost's guy. That's, and, yep. And, and, if Toffoli, and, if, and Toffoli's completely unmarked, so he just puts it into an empty net, and there's nothing Harrison can do. I can't fault him really for that one either. Yep. But the third one... It's another rebound. You start to get a little bit concerned about the rebound control. But we'd like to see it, you smother those. Well, here's but here's the problem. I, and like I saw a lot of comments floating around also about like how bad his rebound control was. Like, yeah, you know what? In that game, sure it was. But I yep. think that's also the conditions. Again, you're playing in a different rink. The outdoor conditions mean everything is a little bit more frozen than it normally is. The pucks well. bouncing. Well, sure. And even beyond that, like your sight lines are weird. Your angles right. are weird. Your board well, play is weird. Like, like comments like that. And I'm not trying to like, like, uh, that's what I'm saying. I'm not trying to take heat off of Harrison. I, I want him to make, I want him to control the rebound on, on the third, on the third goal too. But I'm sitting there going, you do it. You know what I mean? Like you stop, <laughs> you stop a puck that's bouncing around on a, on a frozen ice surface. that's outdoors right. in 20 degree in 20, basically 20 degree weather let's call it like it is i know that they said the actual temperature at puck drop was 30 degrees yeah, but wind chill. wind chill was was a factor yeah for sure absolutely so so you stop it in that situation and control your rebound you know what i mean right. like it's one of those things but i would i like yeah sure would you like to see it at that spot sure because because the problem was too at one point in time they were out shooting the devils in the second period 21 to 5 yep so you were giving them nothing and that power and basically the two the two penalties you took, the one that knocks it down to four on four with Konechny out there or, or in the box for the retaliation penalty. And then the power play that the Devils don't score on, but find a you know, find a way to score shortly after. That really brought them back to life in the period. Yeah. And then right and then re- literally almost next almost next shift it might have been two shifts after they score the third one which kind of makes you think oh boy okay now it's another it's right back to two they get another one and that's really the one that i want to say that's the dagger goal it is well you know what though no it's not because i called the third one backbreaking because you've dominated the period to this point but you gave up the next goal like that's where the game turns but to me, this team has been resilient enough, and John Tortorella has turned this team enough that a two-goal deficit in the second period there, like, 
with that much time left, I trust them to get one back like they did. And then all of a sudden you go into the third period and you're only down a goal. All right. That, to to me, it's really that fourth goal because all of a sudden now you're down three and even getting right. one back, you still have a multi-goal hole going into the third. So, so okay. So here's my thinking of it then because you're not wrong about the 3-1 deficit that it's not impossible, obviously. Especially but, with that much time left. Here is, I guess here was my feeling about that goal was – it felt like it what it could it felt like what could be a backbreaker because of the fact that it was so late in the period. There's under four minutes to go in the period. And you've done everything right to that point. You're in this thing. It's two one. Yeah, the slow start happened, but you're in it and you're controlling play in the second period. It looks like you're gonna knock on the door for even if you come out of the second period still trailing two to one. You've been knocking on the door. You do the same thing in the second, you that in you know, in the third in the third as you did in the second you probably find a way to tie this up. Oh yeah. But the third, but the third one to me kind of took all of that good momentum they were building and crushed it right there. And at that point, yeah, then you're trying to get out of the thing down two at, at most. Right. And, and they score again. And, and that to me, that was the one that like, that's why I say that was the one where I really wanted to save because it seems <laughs> clean. It doesn't seem like there's anything, you know, anything that should be threatening on that goal right. and it and it happens and that really felt like like it, it's weird though because it feels like game at that point but then they score on a power play before the end of the period and Tippett gets another one and, and you're like okay all of a sudden you, you know go, what? Well, but well you go yeah because you, then you're thinking if they score the first one of the third period this is you know you're looking at another one of these games they may not win it because you've given up four that's right. It's challenging. Less you don't want to give up for right? So they may not win it, but you're gonna have a shot because it's two goals. So sure. who knows? And, and you watch this team. You know, obviously we'll get into it a little bit later. But we watched this team come back from multi goal leads this week. Like, yeah, we've seen it happen. We have well literal uh, recent reason to believe if if the if the four one deficit wasn't the dagger he's your scoring again less than three minutes into the third definitely really was, was. because yeah. because at that point in time you're looking at an uphill battle and yet like you're thinking with the um with the way that this team does rally back when they get another one like Nick Sealer's goal oh, when, came at, at a perfect time oh when Nick Sealer scored I everyone goes okay you got you got plenty of time left. You well, because you had yeah, time you had near eleven minutes, and it's a two goal game that is doable in today's NHL. It just it's the way that it is. It's not like in you know it's not like in the nineties when a, a two goal deficit in the third period was like near insurmountable. Just shut it down, and we're done. Here. Right, start, start the bus. Right. So, <sighs> my biggest problem with uh, like because at this point I don't need to go through much more. They scored an empty netter at the end. Obviously, that's how we got to where we were. So that's sure. the end of that. That's um. I mean, they kind of needed, like, when they got down to it, and as much as I kept in the back of my mind, hey, listen, the last time I watched one of these in person, they were trailing by two with three, basically three minutes left and won that game too, you know? So it's not like it's impossible. But but I'm watching the thing and I'm going, it just, like, now it turned into the tight checking game all of a sudden. You know what I mean? Like, or, or at least, or not even the tight checking. It's just, think about it. You're trying to empty the tank when you're down two with under 10 minutes to go and you've been playing in 20, 25 degree weather basically for two hours and you're trying your like the now that's where the elements do kick in because you're just, it's the outside air. You're breathing. You're probably breathing heavy. 
it's going to be tough. And this is where in a game like this, they've got to figure this lineup stuff out. Yeah. Because the, t- the 11, seven thing is kind of becoming a joke in a sense. Like I get, you don't want to pull defensemen out of the lineup. I totally a thousand percent get that. And you're in a position right now with the deadline coming up where you're trying to showcase people like, like, let's face it. And I, I'm going to, I'm not, I don't, we don't have a tab for this. So I'm touching on it briefly because people probably already know sure. it by now. Anyway, Tyson Forrester's hurt. Rasmus Ristolainen's hurt. I think Forrester's closer to coming back. I think he he actually probably had a shot to play at one okay. point in time in, this right. weekend. You know, Ristolainen is, is looking to miss at least a couple of weeks, maybe right. now, maybe in excess of a month. Now, for what it's worth, Forrester's still in a walking boot. So take that for what it is. It may just still be. I mean, they've got three days now between games. So right. even if, even if they sit there and they go, he can't play against Chicago, he might be back by the Ranger game. Honestly, if it just takes another week to kind of heal up whatever it is why well, exactly you leave, Lon- you leave him at home let him rest and then right. bring him back against Chicago, uh, new york but, but rasmus Ristol, well if that's how it goes they really right. haven't given a formal update they well just of course day to day um but ristolainen's injury may be the maybe good news for the flyers in a sense that it's allowed them to get mark stall in two games yes. and he hasn't been a complete liability so there. there's so there's value there that if you wanted to try to move him, it's not like he is. This, it's not like this is a guy who for two months has been sitting as a healthy scratch every single time out. Right. Well, and and so there has been a recurring bit on the Steve Dangle podcast lately where they're talking about their li- their own lineup decisions. And we'll talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs in, in a minute here. Uh, but we they're they're talking about their own line decisions and Steve's theory is that Sheldon Keefe is doing certain things as a message to Brad for living as in, Hey Brad, trade these guys. They're not very good. And he's mm. just screaming in frustration, Brad. And it certainly seems like John Tortorella is doing a little bit of that with Danny Briere because a couple of times he's been like, well, we have a lot of defensemen. Well, we have so many defensemen. Well, there's a lot of defensemen on this team, and I kind of have to play all of the defensemen I have. Well, I'll, I'll counter that because when Ristolainen was part of the lineup, I got I understood it. Yeah. Because because you're looking at the seven and you're going, who do you take out? Exactly. You wanna, well, you want to play York, Sanheim, Drysdale, Zamula. You should want to every single night. And the fact that John Morella hasn't taken the easy way out and just scratched Zamula. Well, he did a couple times, but like, but it's not, not every, every night. night. Yeah, it's not every night. I'll give you that. And then he's and willing then the to problem... go 11-7 to right. play Igor Zamula is what I'm saying. Yeah, I know. Well, yeah, actually, I'll give you that because that's not the guy that I Because he could easily about. just go to six. Well, because that's not the guy we need to talk about in the 11-7 from at least from last night. So okay. um, those four, I like those four you have to play. And then Sealer and Walker have done nothing to come out of the lineup. In fact, you also don't want to take them out because they're trade yep. candidates. So Ristolainen yep. and then Ristolainen yep. kind of falls into like both categories because he's got a longer term contract, but he's yep. also been talked about in trade conversation. Sure. Not, not, yeah, anymore, and, ob- not anymore, obviously. Well, right. The injury is going to nix that. Yeah. And I think it, that was one of those things. So every once in a while, you'll hear an organization kind of, you'll hear something leak. And it seems like the organization may be gauging some interest. Right. And and when I heard Rasmus Ristolainen's name getting floated out there, to me, that sounded like somebody in the Flyers organization floated this rumor just to see if there was any traction on Rasmus Ristolainen. 
Um, I don't know and, about and that. Maybe, and maybe there really is something there, but I don't necessarily know that we hear about it if the team is not trying to gauge some interest. I'll put it like that. That, I understand where you're coming from. I, I think the reason why his name is out. Well, I'll tell you the reason why his name's out there because, and one way, I mean, not, I want to say one way or the other, because it doesn't mean that like, we don't know yet if the flyers are definitively making the playoffs. If they were, yeah. no, hold on. if they were to, then like, if they were to hold this position, then you could make an argument that it could happen with them or with or it could have happened with somebody else. But there's right. this like this there's this big conversation about playoff wrist aligning that a guy like that is built for playoff hockey, right? Yeah. And but but he's never seen it. Right. Because all the years in Buffalo and then coming to Philly and they never made the playoffs in that situation either. So he's never seen it. So you're talking about a guy who like the people you're, you're talking about buying something sight unseen. Well, you are, but like what I'm saying is that you're talking about a guy whose style of play and build they like people think is made for the playoffs, but we've never seen it. So th there's an automatic value that's put on him because that's the belief. And th the challenging part is he's got a contract for you know, several more years, it, right? It, it's which just like I don't doubt for a second you're gonna hear his name or at least. If if something were to happen in the off season, I'll say it that way, I wouldn't be shocked. I just That's wouldn't. Uh, it, it wouldn't surprise me one way or the other. If they kept him, I understand because it's a big, it's a big contract. If they didn't and they found a way to move the contract because it's the off season, I understand it too. Man, if they can find a way to move that contract, and well, I, okay. they, they've got to make I, a decision right. to an extent. And I, I I don't. I have softened on my Rasmus Ristolainen takes, right? Like if you were listening yeah. to this show when he got traded here, I was vehemently against, I, I still think it was an overpay. I think the trade was an overpay. I think moving other assets to facilitate that trade was an overpay. I think the contract was an overpay, all of that. Mm -hmm. But the player since he's been here has played pretty well, not always necessarily up to the money, but pretty well. And for me, if you can move the contract, I'm mm -hmm. very happy with that. I'm not necessarily happy about moving the player, but unfortunately, that's the cost of doing business. Chuck sure. signed a bad deal. Mm -hmm. Wasn't the only one he signed. Fair enough. Um, here, here's my thing with this, and and I kind of because like right away there were also like I had comments coming in about how like this you know losing this game only affirms that they really need to sell guys at the deadline and walker should go and lawton should go like the guys we've already talked about here's right. my thing here and i've said this before about the trade deadline they're in a position maybe maybe with walker i understand it like walker's going to be the easiest piece to move out of this group that gets you back to here's our group of six i entirely agree i don't think you can move scott lawton here's okay it's not I don't think you can. I don't think you should. It's not even I don't think you should. Here's here's the real simple answer. They don't have to. Oh, they certainly and don't have no, to. And no, and because they don't have to, they have leverage in the yeah. sense that how bad do you want them then? Because you you go to another team and say, listen, we don't want to do this. But if you're gonna give us exactly what we want or more, we'll do it. Because yep. now we're moving in a further direction. So in other words, you get a first round pick and maybe a little something extra to make the money work or something. Sure, you can have Scott Lawton for the next two years beyond the trade. 
you know, if that's what you want, if that's what you want to give us. But if you don't want to give us a first round pick for Scott Lawton, you're not getting him. Um, right. We're not trading him because he's know, part of our leadership group and we don't want to do this. I, that's you that's, know, the, that's the way I'm Danny Breyer is probably talking. I'm so glad you used that word. OK, because you just mentioned playoff Rasmus Ristolainen and how that mm-hmm. is an unknown entity that no one has ever really seen. Right. I've seen Scott Lawton in the playoffs, man. Like, and and I'm not talking about necessarily from a production goal scoring perspective. I'm talking about a desire, a drive, fiery, motivation, yep, the fiery, the fiery side, leadership. Yeah. The word you use there is that he's part of the leadership group. And obviously we have a little bit of an update on the leadership group that we'll be getting to in a second here. Mm-hmm. But to me, you keep mm-hmm. Scott Lawton because not only – I think he helps your roster, obviously, and he's going to, you know, if you're going to make the playoffs, you are more likely to win a first round with Scott Lawton on your team than you would be without Scott Lawton on your team. Right. But to me, he's there to fire up the team with a locker room speech after the second period when you're down two goals in game four. Like, he's the guy who kicks you in the face and gets you going. And it's mm-hmm. not even it's not even necessarily for him or for the current team. It's for the young guys, right? This is I this is you. the year, this is the year you show Cam York what the playoffs look like. This is the year you show Tyson Forrester, Bobby Brink, like all these guys what the playoffs look like. Yeah, I get it. I know. And with Scott Lawton driving the bus or at the very least sitting up front turning around barking at people that's how you build winning culture long term sure it is and and the only reason like the only reason i'm on board with even trading him is the fact that i i legitimately think you could get something seriously valuable here because i get that well because a the market has dictated that even a player like scott lawton is going to be worth a first potentially because well because because other players have already gotten it i'm sorry if if sean monahan got a first round pick from Montreal, from Winnipeg, then Scott Lawton, then Scott Lawton can get a first round pick. That's how I, that's how I look at it. I I know, you know, Monaghan's got more points and I get that, but you're getting somebody like Scott Lawton's a better two-way player. Well, it's, and and I'm not even going off a play. I don't even care. It's not even about the level of play or what each guy does well or whatever it is. You're not getting Scott Lawton for two months. You're getting him for two more years. If this happens, that's true. You're You're giving back something that helps you know, if 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 you're if I'm sitting if I'm Danny Briere, I'm sitting there going, then you're giving me back something that helps me for two more years, also, one way or another. Whether mm-hmm. it's I'm developing a kid for two years and then getting him here, or whatever the case may be. But I'm not giving you Scott Lawton for a third. Hot take here. Yeah. You can't tell me that Scott Lawton's not a top five room guy in the NHL. I believe that to an extent. Um, I mean, yeah, if I understand you wanna, where you're coming from. If you want to fight me in the comments, I'll give you a top 10. But you're not getting any worse than that out of me. But okay. So I mentioned but, no, that. But there's, but there's a there's a reason yeah. that there's interest. And, and I guess to put a bow on the game before you get to the topic I know you want to get yeah, to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the only downside to the rest of the game, like uh, we don't need to go through this, but the only downside is, is that it, of, of the opportunity it was because you you like you like when I'm optimistic on this show. Yes. They obviously they lost the game in regulation, so you're not getting an optimistic statement or, or an affirmative right. statement from me on this. But if they if if the roles are reversed, if they come out and they play this game the way that we you know we assume they could and all stuff like that, if they would have won this game in regulation to go up nine points 
on a playoff on spot. on the Devils, and pretty much put that kind of distance between them. I don't think they would have been up nine oh, points. We'd be talking um, first round playoff matchups. Well, I don't <laughs> think they would. I don't think they would have gone up nine points oh, on the okay. play on the playoffs because I think that the island that, like it would just would have kept the Devils behind the Islanders again. I think. Or something like that. that I don't. True, I don't. Yeah. It's it's something like that. Uh, um, no, no. The the Islanders. No, I'm have, sorry. No, no, no. The Islanders, the Islanders have, to have win today to get with it. Right. Yeah. Never mind. I'm sorry. So it would have it would have been nine. So Flyers I would have told eight you, points yeah. clear of the Islanders in the playoff spot right you know, now. And I I know there's still 26 games left. So there's a lot of I get it. There's a lot of time. I mean, 26 games. That that's why I sit there and I look at it and I go, this doesn't destroy the playoffs. Not like, at all. Obviously, there's now, still now, five points clear. No. Now it could be a turning point. I'll give you that. It could be a turning point where we look back and we say this was a game that they let get away from them from the very but, beginning. But you know, if if they would have won, I would have told you they're making the playoffs. I would have actually made that an affirmative statement. I don't, like, I don't, I don't disagree with that. But I also want to pump the brakes a little bit because they were mm-hmm. on a six-game point streak. They had just come off. Five. Or, I'm sorry, a five-game point streak and a it just come off a four-game win streak. You know, kind of the game prior. So, you know, I'm not I'm not saying you're wrong. I know that they have to kind of hold pace and blah, 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 blah. But the Flyers still won one, one and one this week. It's not like it was a bad week, you know? No, no, no. I know. And that's well, that's why I said I'm not pulling like I'm not going the way we were like <laughs> the other way. Right? The, right. It's it's just it wasn't, you know, if, if you're trying to sit here like and I know Tortorella kind of tried to shrug that off. Like, come on, there's still 20. Like, there's still more than a quarter of the season left. Like. Right. They're, well, and the nice thing is there. you have a couple days off and then a soft Chicago opponent. So you, you get to well, work your way back into it. Well, and this is the thing. This is actually the one thing Tortorella said that I will agree with a thousand percent that was post game because he even said he's kind of like he, he even said that the Chicago game, like at least for now, like on the surface, I guess just looking at it. Oh, it's a big game. Almost. Well, almost worries him a little bit because, yeah, you know what? Now you go from playing the outdoor spectacle to it's back to being just a normal situation. You're, You're on playing the road in, in, in arena. Chicago in a half empty building. And yeah. it's and it is a thousand percent a trap game. Oh, yeah. This this is one of those ones where if you let any of this stuff linger, you should not be losing to this Chicago team. But that's, you know, especially because like like I look at the way they played the Devils and I go. Good, you know, kind of good luck with the Rangers next week. And I know I'm skipping in game there, but it's like you don't win the Chicago game. You're looking at trouble with a weekend back to back with the Rangers in Pittsburgh and the Rangers have your number. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, like, there's we'll, no, I can't take away from that the looking ahead. Yeah. Um, like, OK, like the Pittsburgh game's a little different, but like that Chicago game's got trap written all over it. So well, just be mindful. Well, but, but that's what I'm saying. Like it was a missed opportunity to really put some distance on you and then. Well, one of the ways that the Flyers can avoid a trap game there is by really relying on their leadership. Yeah, with leadership. So, so let's get, let's get to the big news. How how much of this before we get into it here? How much of this was the NHL saying you need a captain for the stadium series game? I don't think it was. Okay, because I don't know why else you do it on the road in Toronto with two home with two road three road games in a row ahead of you. Well, because let's put your timing. I know. Well, because you can sit there and say how much this was the NHL. I don't think John Tortorella cares. Okay. Like he's not going to let the, he's not going to let the league dictate what, you know, where they are in this process, I guess, of naming somebody or not. Like at least Scott Lawton's got a letter, you know what I mean? Like to that point. So it's like, listen, do, do with that what you will. Um, and then as as far as the headline goes here, uh, Sean Couturier has been named the 20th captain in Philadelphia Flyers history. The first since Claude Giroux was traded in March of 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, almost three years without a captain, which is insane to think about. 
Um, but yeah, we, Sean Couturier has got seven years left on his contract. He is going to be in town for very likely the rest of his career, at the very <laughs> least most of the rest of it at this point. Sure. And uh, quite frankly, 14's probably going to the rafters at some point in the future. Um, I'm not going to go that far yet. Just because he's a captain and played here a long time doesn't mean you get your number retired. I, I, I okay. I it, have enough just, faith. I have enough faith in where this team is going over the next three to five years, presumably under his captainship, that uh, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna go ahead and be the first to say it. Fourteen will get retired one day. That's fine. I disagree with you. <laughs> okay. I mean, if they win a cup in two years, that changes the conversation drastically. Correct. I get it. <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm saying I disagree with you because of the fact that he, to me, is. I'm not, and I'm not trying to compare players here, but like if you okay. look at captains and if you look at captains in franchise history, like I look at Couturier a little bit like a Dave Poulin type of captain or something like that, where it's like, yeah, people fondly remember Dave Poulin, but it doesn't mean he was an all-time flyer. He wasn't great. the guy, right? No, but he just wasn't an all-time flyer great like that. Like, okay. yeah, he, he is, but he's not. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not taking away from the fact that like Dave Poulin had a huge role in, in, in cup teams and things like the cup final teams, but... I think just a little baby bit. You're disrespecting Sean Couturier. Just a little bit. Just a little I'm, bit. I'm just trying. No, I'm being real. I'm just being how, real. How many fly? Legitimately, how many flyers have won major awards? I hear you. I get it. Okay, and, um, and and how many since 1985, for example? Okay, but like Ron Hextall won a Con Smythe in a losing effort and a Vesna, and his number's not up there. Yeah, but I think that's just because the organization's kind of mad at him. They could have I, also. I think, okay. I think that has more that, to do with Ron Hextall than the Philadelphia Flyers. Okay, fine. Maybe maybe where, with where you're going, you're going since he was fired. Maybe as a general manager. My I, point is, is that my point yeah. is that before my point is that beforehand could have happened. Then you know That's you could have. I mean, first of all, you like you got to remember something. They typically have reserved this for hockey hall of famers. That's true. And it's it's very like it's a very exclusive club. I mean. You're right. You're right. And I have spoken vehemently on the subject of Jersey retirement on this show before. And and now that I'm thinking about it a, a little bit at this point in time, it's probably a little bit early to call that. You're right. You're right. It, it, it just is what it is. And and I, like, to be fair, I don't ever know if Couturier is going to return to his previous production standpoint. He's sure. having a solid production year, especially for missing two seasons, roughly. But it's not like he's like... The reason why we could talk about Claude Giroux the way we did is as a captain of the team and and just like and honestly, despite the lack of playoff successes, because he played a thousand games with the team and had nine hundred points. Yep. That's a lot. I look at Sean Couturier in however many he's like he's in his twelfth season. He doesn't even have five hundred career points yet. Oh, man. Okay, and you know the answer. You know what I'm gonna say. You know what, what I'm he gonna missed say because he's been hurt so much. No, that that's what? not his game. That yeah, he didn't he didn't start scoring until he was 26. But okay, but then by that logic, like you're trying to what? Because you you're gonna sit there and say because he's a Selkie Trophy winner that like I, that that matters significantly. Like it, at that rate, then at that rate, then Rod Brindamore, who was that kind of a two way player, should have also gotten his number retired based on the um, way you're talking. You know what um, I mean? I'm going to throw something out there. First of all, I think if Rod played his whole career here, he would be a contender to get his number retired. If Rod, um, play, if Rod played his whole career here, he would have been a head coach here by now. Yeah, correct. Uh, maybe a general manager, honestly. Um, nah, I stick to him as the coaching type. That's that's valid. Um, 
Okay, so if if we fast forward five, six years into the future and Sean Couturier is 36, still the captain, but they have won a cup. That I part I'll level with. I think the rest of his career crystallizes in a, a really romantic way, right? Then you get to talk right. about him coming in as a rookie against the Penguins. You get to talk about him, you know, carrying the team against the Penguins in 2018, whatever year that series was. Yeah, I know. you're talking about with where the, yeah, he scores he, on one leg. Mm-hmm. Had a yeah, had well scored the game winner of of game five to get it to game six, and then had a hat trick and five points in game six. I get it. And from, that's and the it, sort of moment that down the road, when you're looking back on your career, if you have the accomplishments, mm-hmm. that's the sort of moment that really crystallizes with people. It, I'm not taking away from that at all, but like let's just say they still like to go back to the pool in comparison to an extent that I'm making. Dave Pool and scored shorthanded on a five on three in a clinching game to get the Flyers to the Stanley Cup final. Right. And it doesn't put your number in the rafters because you have a key that's, headlining moment. You're, you know? you're right. I, that's I have. That's all I I'm have, saying. I have backed off this a little bit since I originally no, said it. No, I, no, I have no, no, immediately no, backtracked. Now, no, now you want to make a case for Flyers Hall of Famer down the stretch? Oh, I'll give you, I'll give I you that. I think that's locked up now. Right. The like, ring, they they open the I'm ring gonna... of honor up third season in. They're like, all right, you're going to be in the ring of honor one day. Just, you know, like that's where I agree with that type of stuff, because he's already one of the he's already well within the top 10 of games played. And then um, I, I did also just want to mention just kind of putting a cap on this a little bit. We do still have a little bit more to talk about before we get out of here. Um, mm-hmm. Part of the same, you know, the same little media blitz here was that Travis Konechny also got an A. Um, right. So your your captaincy group, your leadership group, at least for now, is rounded out. You have Sean Couturier wearing the C, Travis Connecting, and Scott Lawton with the A's. So, so, and hear me out because this ties into a previous conversation. So hear me out because I know you're going to hate this conversation. Okay. But just, but uh, again, this is just me being around. I'm not saying that I'm, you know, not, not insider information here or anything like that. I'm just, but optics. This is what I, that's how I'll put this optics. Okay. Why would you give Travis Konechny a letter in February of of a year where you have the opportunity when it's over to extend him if you were going to trade him? I don't think you're trading him. I think that's what. Nah, you don't. Danny, say. You're right. I think that's what Danny Briere is saying here. I think he's saying. I think that there's. A, I think there's Konechny. a contract waiting to be signed on July first. Practically. And you know what? Honestly, I'm not saying, I think, and or at least that they're discussing. You know what I mean? I, I, think the, I think the Flyers fans need a little bit of jersey buying stability at this point. Like you, well, here's Kuturi a jersey. Definitely one now. Right. We just threw out a whole, or we just repurposed a whole bunch of nine jerseys. We just threw out a whole bunch of 79 jerseys. We need some good. You can go buy your 11s. You can hold on to them. He's going to mm-hmm. be here. It sure sounds like it. Like, yeah. I'm not sitting here telling you that they're like that they've got the contract ready to go kind of thing, but like they're trading them tomorrow, aren't they? What? No, but (laughs) but no, they're not. Um, but but you're not going to tell me that doesn't read as that's a priority in the offseason. This almost looks like a pre contract, yeah. This is like a soft pre contract offer. Well, I mean, like even down to and 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 I I believe I saw this tweeted from. Charlie O'Connor, so I want to give the credit because I don't want to just make this my own thought, but it's a valid point. Owen Tippett scores two goals last night and gets to 21 on the season. Clearly was like the best, pretty much the best forward that the team had because of, you know, his scoring prowess in those situations oh, yeah. and whatnot. 
And you're sitting there going, you don't even have to worry about, oh, look, he might be heating up. What's that going to do for his contract value? It's done. Done. It's done. You know his value is what it is. They've already gotten it done. He's got eight years on the contract after this season. Yep. Let him go off. Absolutely. And with and and while and while Konechny doesn't, I think Konechny's also knowledgeable enough to not go overboard with it. Like, let's face it, you're probably gonna end up paying the guy at least nine million dollars. Probably. He's he uh, is your best. Well, on a typical Fried, night, Elliot Friedman did come out and mention a contract extension and noted it on a recent 32 Thoughts podcast and said that it's going to be a big number. Sure, it is because, well, because night in just strictly from a night in, night out basis, I'm not saying he's your best player, right? He's the best player on the team, he's like at, at very minimum, your best forward, exactly. And and not even just that, but it's it's like not that like cuz I'm not I don't like that you know what I'm saying he he doesn't have to be your or not doesn't have to be but it, it's not that he's your best player every single night like that's never going to happen that way but that's just not how the league works right no but, but most nights he's the guy you have an eye on and even yeah. even last night he's got two assists on the tip goals so he's still producing at a high enough rate that he's got to be going you're going to oh. pay that you're going to pay that guy if he's that much of a catalyst to your success Absolutely. So, he's he's got a real chance of being low rent Austin Matthews. Well, and he well, and he's gonna be paid like an all-star. You know, he's yeah. not gonna be pay, he's not gonna be paid like a superstar. And I say and the reason I say not paid like a superstar is because I don't I don't think the Flyers will go and top ten million. Right. But I do think they'll have to top nine to get it there because you're gonna because you're not just thinking about the value next you're year or, buy, or two you're years buying two years USA from now. years. You're buying right. his prime. Well, and you, and remember, you're you're doing this, trying to do this a year in advance. So he'd still make five point five next, next year. year. Yep. And then after that, you're trying to get ahead of it. So you're thinking, what if you know? If I don't. He takes I another don't, step forward. If he takes another step forward, he might score forty next year, making five point five, which is insane. It's possible. To think about. Yeah, sure, it's possible. And and that's all I'm saying. So you start talking but, about best contracts in the league at that point. Okay, but here's so this is the part of the conversation you're not going to like because I didn't really even get to it. If you give Travis Konechny a letter right now, you're pretty much saying he's part of this thing. He's part of the future. As much Does as his we agent were, bring well, that to the well, negotiating no. table. No, I think they're already talking anyway. So I don't think okay. it's much of a, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Like one okay. way or the other, like it was he's, probably he's, discussed in terms well, of the contract gonna, before it happened. It, 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 to me, it doesn't matter. He was going to make money one way or the other. I don't think that you're bringing to the table. Well, he's got a letter. You got to pay him. Right. Oh, you know what I mean? It's if nothing else, the reason you've got to pay him is he's your best forward most nights. Simple as that. And he's the catalyst of this thing. True. When he's going, they have a shot to win every single time he's going because of how effective he is, especially in all situations now. But because you give him a letter now, I don't feel like that's a um like that's an indication I don't feel like you're interested in moving him at all you know like at one point in time i wondered would they try to sell him even because that could get you your biggest package in return even if it's you know even if it's really hard to do i mean if it's hard to trade scott lawton it's really hard to trade travis konechny from a thought process standpoint so now i think he's he's a thousand percent safe the way that that goes, because you wouldn't put a letter on him and then say, well, we're trading you in two weeks. No, 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 no. I think once you sign, this I don't contract, even th- well, no, I don't even think you do it in the offseason at that point, because why would you do it for the rest of this correct. year and then say you trade him? I just don't see it happening. No, th- like I said, this is a, a, a pre-contract. But extension. but but a, but a thing that people have wondered is because Scott Lawton's name has been in the trade rumor so much is 
when he was the only guy with a letter, how do you trade the only guy with a letter? Well, now, well, now you got two other not. guys with a letter. Well, now he's not. So would it be as much of a culture shock to the room that you're de facto captain because you didn't have one right. is here today, gone tomorrow? I don't think it would be as much. I think that that is like it's almost designed to potentially soften the blow if a guy like that leaves the room because it's not like you're turning to nobody. You're turning right. to Sean Couturier is the captain, Travis Konechny is an alternate, and that's the way that it is. Right. I mean, if, if Lawton's your only letter and you trade him, all of a sudden there's this weird vacuum there. Yeah. Exactly. And yep. now you have somebody to look at. And And to be fair, I wonder if that's the reason why it's Couturier. Because for a while, it looked like it was, well, true, but like for a while, it looked like if anybody's going to get it, it's going to be Lawton. He's the only one with a letter. Sure. You you feel like if nothing else, logical conclusion. Well, if nothing, if nothing else, you would have probably thought that it was going to be reversed. Right. You would just promote Lawton to the captaincy. And then you would say, let's throw an A back on Sean Couturier, who's been one before and an A on maybe you know like Konechny's fair I'm not like I can't really think of anybody else who would have gotten one or anything like that so you know I mean there's a like obviously there's a few guys who you could look at from a veteran standpoint I get that but um, no I I think logically it makes a lot of sense um especially you know less than a week after John Tortorella comes out and praises the guy for shoving it in his face um Mm -hmm. you know it Mm -hmm. It it really is the that most was perfect John, timing. It's the most John Tortorella move to give that press conference and then give the guy a C. Yeah, it's great. It is fantastic. Well, and in and in fairness for the timing, I think the purpose of the timing was: does the guy even stay on the ice? Right. Like you had to get through nearly three quarters of your season. At least, actually, actually, Saturday's game yeah, was two th- was, was two thirds. Like yeah. Saturday's game is two thirds essentially. He had to you know prove I mean? that he was in playing shape, and he has. Right. I know well, he and took he, a couple of maintenance days early in the season, but like, well, and, and then had a, then had has, kind of kind of had a scare in the uh, Toronto game this week too, because because that looked bad at the beginning, you know. Obviously, yeah. like he and and and, and well, and like you're th- and you're thinking par for the course, right? Because it's not an injury that you go, oh, he hurt his back again or tweaked something in a knee or something like that. Like it's not a it wasn't a mobility thing. He got slashed. Straight up got slashed in an area where there's not a lot of padding or no padding at all. And it's like, great. A, a slash is going to take him out of the stadium series game that, you know, re- that really should have been called, by the way. Right. And and by the way, we, since we're here, I we should probably talk about this Toronto game a little bit. Because, yeah, let's go to the other games. Yeah, we'll kind of blow through it here real quick. Uh, Kevin's actually got to check out of his hotel room. So we are up against a little bit of a time crunch. Well, it, I, I have um, I have time for that. It's I've got a couple other things to, to take care of um, before I head out. So so anyway, uh, the Flyers are pushing in the first period, pushing, pushing, pushing. They take a penalty, give all the momentum away, and then bang, Travis Konechny shorthanded. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Or I'm not sorry, Travis Sandheim shorthanded. Um, it, it it was almost Travis Konechny. It was Travis Konechny. Almost Travis post. Konechny. And then it, the it, it dipsy doodles around. For some reason, all five Leafs go to the boards where uh, Travis Konechny is. The puck squirts out to Travis that Sanheim. Was, that was like the east-west version of the Nico Heischer goal on Why? Saturday. Like it really everybody, was. everybody just goes to one side of the ice and leaves Travis Sanheim alone. And and like it, 
that that and and well and like listen it was another if nothing else it was this was a more competitive version of all of those other games that the flyers have lost to a superstar because you played you played 30 minutes of of some of the most effective hockey i think i've seen this team play oh yeah and then wow. and then and then Austin Matthews took matters into his own hands. And now, in then, fairness, yeah. in fairness, it wasn't the first time that Austin Matthews had a hat, or it wasn't the only hat trick that Austin Matthews had this week. No, Austin Matthews is a mutant. He's a mutant. <laughs> He's not human. Cast him for the X Men movie. Call Professor Xavier. Whatever, <laughs> whatever X Men joke you want to make. He's a mutant. Like I, 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 and again, I love the people who come out and sit there and say, Sam, like Sam Harrison started that game. I love the people who are going to sit there and go, you know, some of those shots were from further out. However, would you like to watch, you know, someone put these people in front of Austin Matthews highlights for an hour. Stop. And, it. and he, like, like the third, he, look, look at the goal. He scores the hat trick on. He's the best goal to scorer change, in the game. Sure. He is to change the angle. He pulls the puck in to change the angle. And a, how is a goalie supposed to try to track that? Like, sometimes you do. And 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 for what it's worth, at that from pretty much that point on, until it got to overtime, they were looking for Matthews for a fourth. Absolutely. And Harrison Absolutely. did make the saves on some of those. Like, I'm, like, I'm saying some because some of them, I think a couple of them missed the net. But, like, you know right, what I mean? Right. Like, like, it could have been Matthews that, Put this thing away before it ever got to over him. And he for what it's worth, five or six the way he was well, playing. And, and for what My it's goodness. worth, because because he only had three, and oh the door. <laughs> no, and well, no, but, well, he, I, he was, I know, well, I know, because because he was the offense for the entire team until overtime. You were still in the game, and it gave you a chance with five minutes left to pull off a rally. Yep, you get Garnet Hathaway, you get Travis. That Konecki. was a great. That was a great point. Oh yeah, that's a huge point. You 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 beat Arizona on Monday. We'll talk about that game briefly in a second. You come into this game with a four-game winning streak. You're down three-one with six minutes right. to go, and you're going, ah oh, man, well, it's a nice little win streak, but I guess that's over. And the boys go, no, 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 no. Mm -hmm. We're coming back. Yeah, so. by the by the way, the overtime of that was very that was a very 22-23 overtime. You can't just possibly not, just not touch the puck at all. You can't possibly expect expect the Flyers to beat the Leafs in overtime. Like just the way the three on three is lined up, the way that roster is assembled. We we talk about Flyers having these big game changer players. The Leafs have about four of them. I will tell you. I will tell you the way that you beat the Leafs in overtime, though, because I've seen it happen multiple times. Because they have the skill players, they're willing to fire away. Like mm. Matthews is like Matthews is letting it go. Right, because yeah, he's got absolutely. a shot. He's got a shot, and he's going to take it. You you miss the net in the right spot, though, and next thing you it's know, going the other a, way. It's right, a two there's on a two on one going or two on one or breakaway or something going the other yeah. way. That's the problem. But you but you need the opportunity to possess the puck one way or the right. other, and they never even got that opportunity. And you can't try to match skill with them because they're just going to out out. Well, it, it's it's not even, and I wouldn't even go match skill. Like in in that overtime situation, it's not even just match skill. If you're going to make a line change, you better be sure you can do it with the speed that they're coming at you with. And yeah. that was the wrong time to change. Everything about that sequence was everything about that sequence was bad. Yep. So it is what it is. But yeah, and and you you fall to Toronto in Toronto on the road right before your stadium series game. Like that's probably not a game you're supposed to win anyway. So the fact that you come and get a point 
is is pretty nice. Uh, going well, being, back... And being in Toronto too, like your itinerary probably for the next day being we're getting to New Jersey and it's, you know, right. preparing for this whole thing and all stuff like that. Like I, I always like I feel like I'd have to go back and look. I don't know it off the top of my head here, but when they played in Philly in the stadium series against Pittsburgh, I don't recall them playing two nights before that game to have the practice outside and do all that. It it also it, it, like it makes a difference when it's two te- when it's two teams playing in an outdoor game and you can de- dedicate the whole thing to them instead of four over the course of a weekend. That's too. true. Like yeah. it's it's an even bigger spectacle. It schedules things out a little differently. Right. Yeah. Uh, how, the, but yeah. How, the, how the New York Islanders practice on Thursday and play on Sunday. Right. Uh, the other game this week was uh, Monday against Arizona. The it was kind of a back and forth game through good, two periods, you know. Mm-hmm. Good, 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 entertaining win, hockey game, but good win for a game that was clearly not a thousand percent going your way, you yes. know. Yeah, like, you sometimes kind of we're back and forth play, through the first two. Sometimes you're not going to play perfect and you need to win a game, yep. you know, in, in, in different ways. Like, that was the biggest thing that I got from, from that game was they've won a bunch of games in different ways recently, and that's what they're going to need to do in order to make the playoffs and keep this thing going. But, yeah. you know, again, you know, it was obviously like Arizona's not going anywhere this year. So it's at this point you in know. time, Arizona is a team that if you have serious aspirations for the playoffs, you need to be beaten Arizona at home on a Monday in February. Like you just have to right. win that game. Like um, and they did. Well, and, and so the, go ahead. the beauty of like no, the beauty of um like the three games that they had at home there, because that swept a homestand for what it's worth also yes. is. Is that you know you played you played Winnipeg, and won to sweep the season series with them. You came back and you beat Seattle like, it, you know the second time around you had lost you, you lost them in overtime on the back end of a back to back, but still three out of four points against them, and they're a team that may not make the play. Like Winnipeg's going to make the playoffs, so I don't want to say that, but like Seattle may not make the playoffs. They're they're in the hunt, but they may not. That's a good three out of four there to stay on course you get two wins against arizona you know like you gotta t- like let's wait anyway, the next one i'm gonna mention is chicago like it's gonna shift us to looking ahead because chicago yeah. is one of these teams that you still have to play twice from the western conference it's the only it's probably the only team from the western conference you have to play twice because you've already done all the other major west coast trips. all your travel right right so but for where they are that's four points that you really need to get if you want to keep the playoff thing going because of the fact that they're out they're out of it. Yep. And and I know it's something we talked about several weeks ago, but like the time is finally here. After you play Chicago on Wednesday, you're done leaving Eastern time. You you can settle into your game times. Most of your games are going to start at seven o'clock. I know you got some weird weekend starts, but mm-hmm. typically it's, you can kind of get in the routine a little bit. You don't have to worry about any jet lag, any this, that, the other focus on getting two points every night and making the playoffs. And there's an element where this upcoming week is almost a mini bye week. Like you're still going to be working, but the fact that you only have to play from the, from the time you finish the stadium series game until the Saturday afternoon that follows that you only have one game. This is the last stretch of the season. You're going to see that. Yes. This is your last break before the playoffs. Right. Like the fact that they can take Sunday as a complete day off, they'll practice Monday. I'm sure they'll, you know, maybe, maybe Tuesday they won't practice and they'll just have, you know, a travel day. And then Wednesday have a morning skate and call it right there. You know what I mean? Or something like that. And then, oh, by the way, 
Tortorella said he's got the whole week mapped out for what it's worth. I, as I'm a sure fact, he does. Well, as a matter of fact, I'm going to actually check to see if they put a schedule out for that. Okay. And and then, oh, by the way, when you come out of that, you know, kind of mini semi bye week, you get a three and four Rangers, Penguins, Lightning. Good luck. It is good luck, but that's what's going to define whether they are like it's one of these like these are the sequences like put up or like, shut up. It's time. Well, I like I got asked on 97.3 earlier in the week, is there because this was especially after this was after I had beaten Arizona. So they had won four in a row. The vibes were really high. Right. And, also, and I got asked, am I convinced or is there one stretch of this or is there a stretch of the season where like it's still like this is going to tell me they're a playoff team? Right. And I actually didn't even say that one as much as I did. The trade deadline hits while they're in a, on a Florida trip in between two games. They're going to play Tampa the first game after the deadline. Okay, and th- and the game Man. before the game before that is the Florida Panthers, who, by the way, have like since the Flyers beat them, have been firing on all cylinders. Man, you want to talk about stretches that prove if you're a playoff team? I just glanced ahead a little bit, and from March 14th to March 26th, they play Toronto, Boston, Toronto, Carolina, Boston, Florida, the Rangers. There's right. your stretch. That's it. Well, that's I, it. I'm adding in the two Florida game or like the Florida Tampa games from right before that too. Okay, that's that's Be- valid. Because to me, I sit there and I go, you've got one game that I consider a must win because it's the easiest opponent you've got. Right. If you do not win that San Jose game among all these others, Ooh. good luck. Yeah. Like trade like, everybody. Like you, like, no, but like, do you like, well, they won't be able to by that. I, I know. I know. Um, but you know what I, you know what I mean? Like I look at that stretch and I go, the San Jose's got to be a win and then find a way to split the rest of them. Meaning. You give me five and points out. I'm like, I'm serious. You give me five and five out of that stretch stretch. They're probably making the playoffs. I agree. I absolutely agree. And they've, they've I'm I'm sorry. And they've done a good job of putting themselves in a spot where they don't have to go. They don't have to get, you know, eight points out of that spray. They can get five. Like they've, they've done a good job of building a little bit of cushion. Well, and I am curious about the fact that like, yes, like you brought up this stretch of games that they're going to have this after they play Chicago, the Rangers, Penguins and Tampa. Yeah. As a three and four. When once that's over, your next three after are Washington ottawa and st louis you need five you need points, points. There. you need, you need at least four or five points oh, I, no, but, right i don't care i'm not even trying to put a number on it you just need points yep because after that is the gauntlet and march is gonna like, be fun man holy one and this is the thing though it's what's gonna show like you're not gonna tell me that watching the toronto game earlier in the week that you're not excited about the toronto game I'm thrilled to watch the Flyers play the Le- or the Flyers play the Leafs twice in five days. That's but, but I'm be saying, so much fun. Right. But I'm but I'm saying going back to the one that they just played, that yeah. is they find a way to come back and get a point out of that game that you're sitting there like even just getting it tied late and giving themselves a chance amps you up because oh, this- of the fact because of the fact that it's again another example of look at this really good team with all of these players. Austin Matthews is going off and they're in it. Yep. It's like that. It makes such a difference. So absolutely, they they have shown that they can hang with the big dogs, and that that is all you ask. And uh, on that note, we will actually uh, be taking a week off next week. Uh, oh, are we? I didn't even uh, know if we were. Yeah, that's the week. Um, we got some things going on. I'll I'll be in Chicago on Saturday. Sunday we got uh, a two thirty game, so it's a bit of a funky time schedule. Well, for, that, so. for, you, for you, it's three thirty Eastern time. Oh yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. sorry I'm um, trying to make sure for for the viewers who are for in viewers. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Who who no 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 who who may be confused by you saying that? That's all. No, that is that is a three thirty local, local time puck drop. 
Yes. Um, so we got it's that. on the road, it's so I don't f- care. Yep, it's a bit of a funky week this this next weekend. So we're actually just taking next week off. We will be back two weeks from now on March third. Um, man, we got a lot of hockey between now and then. Like you said, a little bit of a mini bye week this week, but then they play a bunch of games before our next show. So we will have plenty to talk about. Uh, in the meantime, make sure to follow us on social media at YWT Podcast. Uh, you can stay up to date on everyday game stuff if you follow Kevin at Kevin underscore Durso. Uh, you can find the show anywhere you find your podcast, including sportstalkphilly.com. Um, you know, Kevin, I think this was a pretty fun show. Is there anything else you wanted to add? Uh, one more for the road here? No, nothing specific to add. You know, obviously, a, okay. you know, obviously the stadium series was a great experience. Not the result that everybody wanted, obviously. You know, maybe maybe the Flyers should start declining outdoor game invitations like they should decline power plays. You know, or something like that, you know, because like oh, that's a one, a, you know, a, I know it's technically a one, four and one record, but essentially one in five in outdoor games kind of just kind of they just kind of aren't your thing. You know, maybe there's something to that. Um, the good news is I don't think they're going to be scheduled for one anytime soon. Well, they're we'll not say- next They're Obviously, they're not next year. That's already no. been determined. I am, you know, there's. it. You know, but it is what it is. It's, you know, yeah, it was one of those things or whatever. Um the way these games go like at, at some point in time too, like there's nothing you can take from those games either. Like from, right. from a true hockey standpoint, like it Tor- Tortorella called, like even said it at some point they're playing pond hockey out there and he's not wrong. Like I, I right. thought that in the middle, like in the middle of the second period, I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like, this is so wide open. Like, like if you look back on the second period and, and the flyers had 27 shots, but the devils had 50 or 14 is what it was yeah the, and, and the it's two you know, points... and it's like this is wide open it's not even like it's like it's not even real hockey don't even watch it for defensive structure nobody's playing no. defense the, the two points would have been nice but we're just playing shinny out there so all right uh as i mentioned before we will be back in just a couple of weeks follow us on the socials uh all right i don't think there's really much else to say in two weeks we will have a much better picture on whether the flyers are going to be a playoff team or not whether we like it or not so <laughs> until then We'll see you.